So you want to embark on a joy venture, but there's a catch. You're not sure if you've truly discovered your joy. And before you start, you want to be certain that this is it. And you're looking for the five tips or the three hacks to ensure that your big risk, your joy venture, will be a success. Well, here's your spoiler alert. It doesn't work that way. In this episode, Jeremy and I get practical about discovering joy and how you might figure out what your joy venture looks like. But I'm going to be honest with you. There's no foolproof formula to be found here. There isn't a right way or a wrong way. But there is something you're going to have to do, and that's take action. There's a reason we end every podcast with never stop discovering. If you adopt that mindset, And remember, this is about a pursuit and not about the perfectly crafted plan. You'll discover more than you thought was possible. This is the Joy Venture Podcast. We talk about a three-step process of a Joy Venture, which is discover, develop, and spread. Discover. Let's kind of unpack that. I'll I'll let you dive in. What does that mean? What do you mean by discover? There's two ways people come to discovery. One is intentionally and one is unintentionally. Obviously, everything in life is either intentional or unintentional. But we've had stories of people and clients we've worked with that have stumbled on something like a Brittany Baum. She, she was creative by nature, but out of sheer necessity of being a vegan in Germany, she had to try to find another food source yeah. that wasn't covered in meat juice, right? <laughs> so, so she discovered pretzels and... And has, it has turned into a passion for her, you know, and that's an un, unintentional discovery of your joy. And then we've got people like Bill Lilly, who loved from even the earliest age, his teachers would tell him his handwriting was exquisite. It's so weird in our time and, you know, where we are in today's world where schools aren't teaching handwriting anymore, that anybody would push anybody towards a career in penmanship. Right. But that's what happened. So... He just had a real passion for penmanship. You know, it drove him to do that. And so he knew from a very young age, I know speaking from myself, I was the, 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 at the earliest possible age when someone put a writing utensil or a drawing utensil in my hand, it's what I did. I just drew. So discovery comes in lots of different ways and different forms from different people. Um, and you know, we've worked with clients that have have stories of like, it's, it's what I was made to do. Yeah. Always done it my entire life. Or, man, I, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I've always been creative. And then I stumbled on this thing and like I just got obsessed with it. And I figured out how to hack the system or I figured out like why, isn't, why aren't other people doing it this way? And I, and I started doing it and, and people started responding to it. And it just gave me the validation I needed to keep moving forward. Yeah. We're in a, a culture of... Just tell me what you want me to do. Just get, give me the, the, the five steps to this, the three, the three hacks to that, the whatever, right? right. Discovery is, is not, um, it's not as, 
It's not formulaic. Right. That's right. It's different for everyone. But, but, but I, I got to imagine there's people like, okay, so Jeremy, Thad, tell me, how, how do I go about discovering my joy? What would you say to them? Well, I don't think it happens in a workshop. I mean, I think there are workshops out there where people will, will conduct stuff like that. I think, you know, the workshopping and, and things like that happen in more of the development phase, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you, you discover because it reaches a, that inner part of you. It's that, it's that solid word, wood versus veneer thing. Yeah. It's that this is coming from a part of me that has never felt like it could express this way before. Yeah. You know, it's, it's connected you to a community of people that propel you to move forward and be passionate about what you do. And I, I know we're using the word passion again, but, but it's not a flaring passion. It's a, it's a, it's comes from the core of you. Right. And, and that's joy. Joy is that thing that wells up inside you when something, when you practice something or when you read about something or when you bake that thing or write that thing or or even go out and tell that story whatever it happens to be whether it's a service you know it's it's hard to believe but there are people passionate about selling insurance and looking for a new way to do it you know there's people out there that are passionate about uh and they love their clients so much that they are um cpas and they recognize that the accounting world has not been has not been doing things necessarily the best interest of their clients. It's funny you say insurance. I um, that that sounds like the most ludicrous thing you could possibly say, like joy in insurance, right? But um, about a year ago, um, I was I met a gentleman who was just that an insurance guy, lifelong insurance guy, um, and wanted help on the speaking circuit um, to talk about his joy, which is selling insurance. And it's one of these things where I'm kind of like scratching my head. I'm like, why? this, why? Yeah. And come to find out, he wanted to go speak to more people in the insurance industry on selling um, long-term disability. And the reason he wanted to do that is because he himself has Parkinson's disease. And through his own human experience, he's benefited from the service that he sells to others. And 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 so it's... It's not a. I think we have to take that next step. Either the, it's either a half step back or a half step forward. Of it's not just selling insurance. It's about affecting people's lives, yes. right? And and for for this gentleman, he his life had already been affect, been affected, but he had inoculated himself through the same service that he sells, um, and wanted more people to say help others not be in a place where they don't have this so they can still live the life that they want, even as their life becomes more difficult. And this guy was absolutely passionate about selling insurance. And that sounds so bizarre to think like you can be passionate about that, but it's not about, in that case, it was less about the product. It was more about the, the, the peace of mind and, and the ability to affect people's lives when the darkest day arrives and says, and he heard it himself. I'm sorry to tell you this you have parkinson's he was protected because of the thing that he did and he wants to share more of that and and so that's become you know 
he's discovered about himself. I can, I can help people. It's not about selling insurance. It's about helping people live the life that they want to live going forward. Because at some point he, you can't work and you need that long-term disability. So that was just interesting yeah. um, segue there when you said yeah. insurance, I think for, you know, and you're right, you're right about the, the sort of intentional and unintentional way I kind of think about it is it's, I look at it, I'll use two different words, curiosity, mm-hmm. um, and then being clubbed like over the head. Um, I think we have to have a curiosity to to want to discover things. That's so and much like, better than mine. And get no, it's the same. <laughs> I know it's the you're same. You're saying it better, but see, that's the, your, your job. Well, you're the words. Yeah, maybe so. it's the word. The, yeah. the, the words better, way better illustrated than mine. Go um, ahead. But we have to have we have to have a level of curiosity. Otherwise, we just stay in our lane, right? Yep. We just get up and do the same thing over and over. But when we we kind of peek our head up over our cubicle or however you whatever the analogy is you want to use, and we. We look out beyond our current circumstances and we are curious about why this or why that or how does that work. That that moves us into areas where we discover something that, that we become more curious about and interested in. Or, and I, and I can just say this from my own circumstances, I, I got clubbed over the head with something that I didn't see coming. And, and when that hits you and it's like an emotional weight that like disrupts your life in a way that Wow, I um, I I can no longer deny that this matters to me, and I and now I need to get more curious and get more curious. And the the, the, the clubbing and curiosity. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you can have the curiosity without being clubbed over the head. I needed to get clubbed over the head, and then my curiosity continued from there. Um, but I think that those are the kind of the ways that I think about it. Otherwise, we're just sort of living, sort of rote, mundane assembly line lives, and that's. That's joyless. And I think that's where we want to help people either step out of your comfort zone, get curious, or be attuned to that thing that's clubbing you over the head and respond to it in in a meaningful way. Well, I think we're also one of the first generations of Americans that actually equate the word joy with work. Um, I've seen countless people from past generations that joy and work would never, those two things don't go hand in hand. Work is a necessity. It pays the mortgage. It supports your family. But it's something that, you know, you you drag yourself off to in the mornings and you drag yourself back home. Um, But it it has one function, and that is to provide for you. But I think um, I was was fortunate to grow up in a family where we, we struggled at times to make ends meet. But I watched my dad do something that meant a lot to him. And the reason he did it was because... He used athletics. He was a basketball coach, but he used athletics not just to win games, not just to have winning seasons, but to, to really help kids in high school level, college level, wherever they happen to be, to, to find purpose and to build character for real world stuff, not just to win the next game, but to to really develop them as human beings. Um, And I watched that firsthand. He cared. He loved. He cared. And he has so many former players that are coaching at the D1 level, coaching all around the world, all around the country especially, but, you know, around the world that have impacted other people through sports in ways that other people wouldn't be able to do. And now even in retirement, he gets called to do basketball camps because Mm -hmm. he's – 
he, because people know him for being the kind of person that loves people and doing things. So I, I've been blessed to watch that. Um, and it was never, he never made a decision based on where the money is. It was always, where can I impact and affect people? And I think that's key to this as well. Um, what's your motivation? You know, what, why are you discovering that thing? Is it because, you know, you, you're, you're looking to make more money? Is it, or is it just a calling? Is it something that, that you feel that gut? I mean, the word vocation literally comes from, I believe it's Latin, vocal, vocation, calling. It's literally a calling. It's something that you, you hear um, and you're called to do. So what does that mean? What does that mean for different people? How do they hear that voice? So when, when you talk about Joy Venture for yourself, will you t- talk about what Joy Venture means to you? I mean, did you feel you were called to be a designer? Or is your calling something, up, something else that design fits into it? I, I, yeah. Explain that, because I think as, as we listen to the podcast, we're, we're really focusing on people that have made... Um, a pivot or they've known from a very early age, this is who I am. And it, and it translates into a job. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't always have to be that way. Um, has design, has design been your joy venture or is your joy venture somehow, or that thing that you find joy in, um, uh, I, I don't know what I'm, I'm struggling to find the right word, but is it, um, does design afford you to do to, to get to that joy? Does that make sense? Yeah, you following where I think I'm going? it's both and. I think it's one of those things where I I watch a lot of people that are very talented designers set out to start their own thing, and they are I mean far more talented than I am. Um, the, the stuff they do is just remarkably beautiful, but what they're missing is the motivation for why they're doing it. And I don't think it's necessarily because it, it, it's not because they're hateful or spiteful people. It's that they don't, they don't have the, a, they don't have the business sense. B, they're not necessarily doing it to help that other person or help that client get to where, to where they need to be. It can be design can be very self-serving. It can be, I know what I'm doing. I know the best answer for you. Take it or leave it. And, um, so those, those types of people typically don't last long on their joy venture. Right. And so for me, I'm a, I would say I'm an okay designer. I'm not, I'm not someone who's, you know, getting stuff published in international trade magazines all the time. Like I've, I've had a few things out there and that's fine. And, and that's not where I get my validation from. But for me, to me, it's helping people tell their unique story. And there's, I get a rush out of helping, especially small business. I mean, I work with bigger companies and stuff that are more established. I get a rush out of helping them take their product, their job, their their joy venture to the next level. Yeah. And to me, that whether that's doing it through photography, illustration, branding, storytelling, whatever it happens to be, yeah. um, I feel like maybe to answer your question, creativity is kind of the conduit to what I really love to do. Affect people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I feel I, for me, it's, I didn't, I always knew I wanted to write and then I got a job and my job 
afforded some writing, but it wasn't the writing that I wanted to do. Um, and so I, my joy was not in my work for years. And then I had an experience uh, that, again, this is that we talk about getting outside the comfort zone. How um, This was the clubbing for me that um, uh, my, my story with my wife and my kids and we adopted our youngest, our youngest child. That was way out of my comfort zone, way out of my comfort zone. Um, but when I did, I felt as I went through that process and then later when you and I went to Cambodia, I, this was all about helping other people in particular, um, the least and the last of these, uh, orphan children that I became, I wanted to document the story. And so my writing took on a very personal side of things. And when I came back from all of that, it completely changed the way I looked at my work and the type of clients I was working with. And it's like, what kind of stories do I want to tell? Um, what kind of stories do I want to be involved with? And it completely changed the way I look at the work that I do because I, I started telling stories differently and I told them for myself and for my family um, on a, on a private blog, but it, it gave me so much joy to document something that if I had not documented it, documented, I can't even speak. Had, had I not written it down, right? I would have forgotten it. Yeah. Like everything, you know, we remember the great vacation, but we don't remember what we had to eat. We don't remember the, the, the little details that made it great. We just remember that we were there and I didn't want to forget any of that. And so when I started writing it down, I fell in love with writing again, which I had lost because I was doing business writing. And I thought, wait a minute, I'm an entrepreneur. I can do things differently. And how do I start telling stories or helping organizations tell a better story that is human-centered versus just product-driven? And it changed everything for me. We, I do work for all kinds of folks, but my joy is hasn't been work-related. I got clubbed on something totally different that then affected the way I did my work yeah. and allows me now to, to do work that I enjoy to actually go back and fuel the things that make me excited to get up in the morning to, to know that we've got this family across the world in Cambodia that, that we love. And we, we have a, a son from another part of the world that lives in our house. That's part of our lives every day. That's the joy, right? It, I didn't have to go do a new job. I didn't have to quit my career and find another career. And so I think that there's something really interesting as we figure out what is this joy venture? What, what is the discovery process um, to sort of unlocking the way that we go about living our lives or doing what it is that we do? I just changed my lens on the work that I did. You kind of same thing. You change your lens of the, you know, you do a lot of work with a lot of different companies, but you get that rush from helping that small business. Yeah. I get that rush knowing that I get to tell compelling stories, but even more, I get to take the treasure that comes from that work and invest it back into these kids. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the joy for me. Yeah. Um, but for someone who's listening, how, how, do you, how do we help them get out of their comfort zone? Are there practical things that we can say, look, you're, you know there's more for you. What would you recommend somebody do to say, you know, if you're trying to dis if you're trying to get trying to work through that discover stage, what would you recommend somebody do who's 
a designer or somebody who's working in a corporate job or, or what, what are some practical things? I think that's what people are looking for. Yep. Give me something tangible that I can, I can walk away from this brief discussion and, and start, you know, looking at the world differently. I think that probably the, the one thing I ask people to do the most is to acknowledge for themselves, what's that unique skill set, position experience that they have to be able to uniquely solve a real problem. Um, and what is that problem? You know, I, John McCollum went on a one or two week trip to Cambodia and saw poverty, uh, saw children in the streets, um, did some, came back and did some serious digging about why is, why is Cambodia have this problem with, you know, with children in, in the streets? Why, why is child homelessness such a big deal? Um, and, and I think he was in a unique position to be able to draw some people, some funds together to be able to just solve that problem. And, and it was a niche. It was like, you know, government run orphanages are, are a major problem. They're greedy. They don't, the money doesn't get to the kids. Um, they're institutionalized. These kids don't have real parents. They don't have a sense of belonging and family. And John was able to craft a unique experience. I mean, he has uh, Asian children of his own. And it just, it, he was in a unique place to connect deep down where beyond the veneer to a place where he, as an American, as an entrepreneur with the right people around him and the right people uh, to help him out to just build that one orphan home. Yeah. He didn't have the idea of eventually having 34 orphanages and making this his full-time gig. It was, what can I do to solve this one problem? And it just became such a passion of his. And then the next one opened because there were people like, how do we do the next one? What, what do we need to do to help you do the next one? Mm -hmm. And then it became how, Okay, well, what do we need to do? And and then it became this totally new vision of a model of how to set this thing up that was totally different from the way anybody else was doing it, which is not the way the organization was founded at the beginning, but it took a pivot and changed it. And it's all part of that discovery process that, that leads you to creating a totally new model where kids are part of a real family. They've got a mom and a dad. Um, they're, it's not institutional. It's There's just... If you had asked John if when he when he discovered the problem, what what are you going to do with this someday, he would not have had the answers because he had to go through the process of fine-tuning, tweaking, pivoting, listening to advice from other people mm -hmm. and and kind of following the way that needed to happen. So for John, so if, if I'm hearing this right, the, the the discovery for John was and you worked with him at, at a design studio yeah. and and John was taking these trips. Is, is that the discovery that John was getting outside of his comfort zone to go to Cambodia? Or is the discovery something else? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is is that in order for us to discover something, we have to expose ourselves to stuff. Yeah. Sometimes that means traveling. Yeah. Sometimes that means you get that nudge. I mean, I, you weren't all that thrilled about going to Cambodia with me. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> so 100% not that's right. enthused. And, and it took me to to kind of twist your arm to go. Yeah. Um, and I find lots of times in my own life, uh, we, we just talked with Brad and Crystal 
uh, about he he would like to do more speaking. And Crystal says, fine, here's how we're going to do it. And what I love about their story is that there's this, there's someone behind him twisting his arm and telling him, this is what you need to do. It's that nudge to do something more. So, so great. So I think that, um, in one of our blog posts, we, we have, um, if I can find it here, you know, converting inspiration into action. And it's like, you have to do something, right? You just can't sit around and think about, well, it'd be cool to do this. It'd be cool to do that. Or what if, and, and what if questions are great, but at some point you've got to put action into it. And, and one of the things that, um, the quotes that we'd pulled out in this, in this post was this thing that we don't have to figure it all out in order to get started. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's key is that discovery is just, is, is just that it's, it's, it's be it's, open. You don't have to have all the answers. It doesn't have to look like And what you just said with John, he had no vision of going full time and having, you know, 30 some orphan homes three across countries. three yeah. countries in Southeast Asia. That, that was not, that was not part of the discovery. Um, it, that wasn't it. It was, it was what's in front of my face right now. What can I, what can I start moving left foot, right foot toward right now to make an impact, a difference, or whatever. Um, I think the other thing I'm hearing is we have to be, we have to open our ears to the people around us mm-hmm. that, because I think we're our own worst enemy to say, I can't do that. You know, if you get this, you get the idea in your head and then you quickly talk yourself right out of the idea. But behind, you know, the, the story is behind any great, you know, man or woman is somebody, whether it be a spouse or a friend or whomever, that's encouraging them along the way. And I think that voice, that inner voice that's telling us, you know, you're not good enough, you can't do this, you're not smart enough, whatever. If we if we would mute that or, or ignore that voice and listen to that person to the left or to the right of us that says, oh my gosh, you could totally do this. If we could believe that voice more than the voice in our head, we'd find a lot more people discovering their joy yeah and and i think the other part of it is is your joy or your career doesn't necessarily always start out as this is going to be my career right sometimes it's i work for the government and i have this or i work for an auto parts manufacturer but man do i love bacon pretzels you know Or, or or what have you i mean we've got countless stories of people who who had a, a, a job that was paying the bills and and yeah, it was a job. It wasn't necessarily an awful job, but it, it was paying the bills. But they were doing this other thing over here yeah. and it just gathered steam. And and part of it is is just taking that next step. Right. It's that like, okay, I've heard, and it goes back to what you're saying with other, hearing other people. You have, you, you're, you make this thing and then your friends and family start saying, hey, can you make that thing for us? Daniel McEwen's a great example. Daniel made a, a a messenger bag so he could keep his artwork clean and dry when he would ride his bike to, to class in, in art school. And by the time he graduated, he had other students placing orders for these bags. Right. Um, it wasn't that he set out to start the business that would launch his career and, and then lead to other opportunities for him. He started with a bag, you yeah. know? And I think that's the thing. It's like... If you feel called to doing something, to do something, don't put the pressure on yourself 
to make it your next career or be the best at what you do and, and, and the only one out there doing it, mm-hmm. just do it. Make that thing that you're called, you feel called to make, even if it's because, you know, man, I've looked all over the internet, I've read all the reviews, I can't find a bag that does what I want it to do and fits the way I want it to fit. So I'm going to make my own. You know, and, and I think the, the discovery process many, many times happens right there mm-hmm. with no full intention of taking over the world with messenger bags. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to that point, I think they're happy accidents along the way of right. discovery. It's, it, it, maybe I meant to do this, but, I f- but in the process of, of doing one thing, you learn something totally different or you discover that. Well, that's not really what I was interested in at all. But but this 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 other thing that came out of yeah something I was pursuing is really what you were meant to yeah. meant to do, or or, yeah. or is that thing that captures your interest? Yeah. Chances are, if you can't find it and you're frustrated because no one else is doing it, there's other people that feel the same way, right? And you are creating something that fills a void. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you there are countless ice cream places that make cookies and cream and uh, mint chocolate chip, all awesome ice cream, Yeah, you know, vanilla. and But only Jenny's started out doing things like adding salt and habanero peppers or whatever, yeah. hot peppers and crazy stuff to her ice cream and making it taste unbelievably good. Yeah. There's, but, but, and I'd love to ask Jenny this sometime, but I don't believe that she started out necessarily with that being her goal. Right. Well, you worked with her early on. Right. So but you, you know some of her process. Yeah. Sal- salted caramel, like, really put her on the map. I remember having it for the first time back before she was even Jenny's, and she was just a little booth uh, ice cream place called Scream in the North Market. And I remember, like, I, I, I remember trying some of these flavors that were experiments that she was doing. You know, it was just her and an ice cream maker at the time. And she was just trying stuff that that appealed to her you know no one else is putting salt in their ice cream no one else is putting you know uh, these ingredients in ice cream and but it really appeals to me and i feel like someone should do it so you just hit on something i think is really important that appealed to her right a joy venture first and foremost should should speak to the core of who you are yeah not I think people want this. Correct. Right? Because you'll forever be chasing that elusive, what do you want? But if you are doing that thing that that gives you joy and people see value in that, it will it will take off. And so I kind of come back to this idea, and I'm, I'm trying to get really practical about this. Like, So what are those things that, that, that you or me or anyone else could be doing right now? And, and, and I think... I, I, I'm just looking at you and some of the things that you've done. You, you did a poster show for Pinch Flat, which is, or a poster show called Pinch Flat, which was a design. You, you explain it. You explain what Pinch Flat is. Well, actually, Pinch Flat isn't a completely unique idea. Uh, there's uh, Minneapolis has a similar thing that they do um, that is a bicycle poster show. Mm-hmm. But for me, what it came out of was. As a designer, I have to work to a prompt. I'm, I'm no good at looking at a, a blank canvas and creating something. And I know a lot of designers and illustrators around the world, especially in my community in Columbus, that 
would love to create art on the side and do that side thing, you know, and express themselves. And it's not for the pharmaceutical company that they happen to be, that happens to be, you know, the client of the company they work for or whatever. It just becomes joyless. And so to inject a little bit of that opportunity for designers who need a prompt, need someone to push them to do something unique and different and step outside their comfort zone. And so to, to be very specific about like, it has to be, a traditionally printed poster. It has to be, this is the topic outside of that, you know, you can, you can do whatever you want, um, and, and submit your idea and then we're going to sell it and you're going to make the profit off of it. And so I think for us, it it allowed designers to kind of be play artist for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, and that's something I was craving. And I thought, why not open this up and make it something that, that we can really get people behind. So what you did was, invite other people into your joy. Mm. And that's, I think, part of the spreading part. But right. you have to, you're right, because in order for you to discover something, yeah. that has to be part of the equation. Right, right. Um, other things that I've seen you do, um, you, you mentioned John earlier, Cambodia. One of, one of the challenges they have is, as the kids get older, and depending on where they are and what campus they're on, um, where their where their home is, they have to ride bikes to school, and it's dangerous. Um, it could be multi, you know several miles away. And one of the, the the keys to education and getting an education is having the transportation to get to and from school. And that was an additional expense for this organization that you guys created, Edugo, mm-hmm. and and which existed to raise f- funds to buy bikes for kids in Asia that's now turned into a bike ride and all these other things. This is separate from your design work, right? But, but you're taking your creativity and saying, what if, we do, what if we do this? What if we do this? And then again, you're inviting people into your joy uh, to come on a bike ride, to buy a wheel or buy a bike frame and be a part of changing someone's life. Because if I get back to what you were saying earlier, it's about the rush that you get from helping people, small businesses, in this case, orphan kids in Cambodia yeah. and, and getting to and from school. And so these are, these are things that your skill set, you created a website, you created a video with, with some other partners, um, but you saw a need and took your creative skills and said, well, let's see what happens. Yeah. Well, and I think the unique problem that we saw in that situation was, yes, they, they outside of their budget, they had to buy sometimes a hundred some bicycles for kids that were finally leaving the campus and heading off to school. Um, But what, what I realized was, is there's a whole community, Columbus is a a cycling community. Um, It's, 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 there's a lot of advocacy for it. There's a lot of people that can really get behind it. And the idea that you would ride your bike for a good cause um, or, or at least see the value in the community that comes from, from having a bike we don't realize being Westerners is how important bicycles are to people in the rest of the world. It, for many, it's the only and their primary mode of transportation to get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. For us, it's a fun thing to do on the weekends or maybe something we ride to work because um, we want to exercise or you know want to save the planet or whatever. Right. But what I found was an opportunity to connect people that were passionate about bicycling with a much bigger cause that's hard to wrap your mind around. And so how do we help people connect with something they're passionate about and raise money for something they're passionate about? It's kind of like Pelotonia. Mm-hmm. Pelotonia, it's like 
you know, how do I, how do I even begin to think about how to raise money or, or fix cancer, right? Well, here's an idea. Get on your bike and ride. Yeah. You know, for, for me, it's how do, we, how do we solve the crisis of um, homelessness of children in Cambodia? Well, don't worry about that. We've got people that are focused on that. Let's focus on that love you have for bicycles. How do you spread that love you have for bicycles with other kids, with kids around the other side of the world? And not only that, help them get an education. Yeah. Help them to become better than the... 82% of the people that are in their country that never graduate high school. Yeah. Um, and that, and that is allows us to rather than go to someone who's like, Hey, we need you to help solve homelessness. How about you help by taking something you're passionate about and share that with someone else so they can get an education. It's a lot easier. It's easier to wrap your mind around yeah. and it's, it's, it's an easier sell, I think, to people to get them involved. Well, you're, I mean, to, to say it another way, I, you know, Jeremy, you're a designer. What can you do about getting kid, you know, helping kids get an education, or what can you do about homelessness in in Cambodia? But you have a passion for bikes, and 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 you're a designer, and you have a friend that's that's working on this issue, and so you're just you're figuring out what can I do, and you can. What you found out is, well, I've, I have some knowledge and certainly a heart and an interest for this, but I have, I have design skills that can inspire other people to get involved and do something. Yeah. And I think that's, that's sort of the key is that we don't have to have it all figured out. You're not John McCollum solving the orphan crisis in, in Southeast Asia. Um, you're, you're not in competition with Pelotonia and Columbus, which is, I believe, like the biggest cancer fundraiser in America right now in, in terms of, you know, a cycling event. It's huge. Yeah. But what you're doing is you're taking your skill in, in, in of, of being an artist and a designer and presenting an opportunity to invite people into your joy that can, bit by bit, make a dent and make a difference in, you know, one life and 10 lives and hundreds of lives. And, and it just continues to multiply that way. And I, I think that's the other question that we have is like, what, you know, but really, what difference can I make? What I, it, you won't make any difference if you don't take whatever your inspiration is and move it toward action. Yeah, yeah. So I think to the the practical application of that, going back to the practical, is I think making that discovery a lot of times is drawing connections. It's drawing connections between what can I. What can I offer? What can I do? What is my skill set? What is my unique position? What do I, what background do I have that can leverage me being able to do something, right? Mm -hmm. And then connecting it with that purpose or that problem that needs to be solved. Or, or where do I have the time, the energy, and the resources to devote to something? And sometimes we just got to come get in. We don't, we don't have to be the leader, we we could be the, the the hands and the feet on the ground that then we sort of start at the ground floor and see where that takes us. Yes. Um, and I and I think that as we think about a joy venture, it's not about necessarily starting something new. It's how do you contribute your unique skill set, interest, time into something that that matters to you. And see where that takes it, right? It's yeah. it's just getting engaged meaningfully yeah. um, to because 
maybe that's the first step of discovery, but there's more discovery to come once once you've gotten outside your comfort zone, once you've committed yourself to some level of action. Yeah, yeah. I think travel. Yeah. Expose yourself to to things that are outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. See problems out there that that may that need to be solved that you're uniquely capable or with or with doing enough development of that you can put yourself in position where you can uniquely solve that problem and it just goes back to whether it's a service or a product or food or a a non-profit whatever happens to be it's it's your unique vocation it's your unique calling it's not it's not hopping on the frozen yogurt bandwagon because someone tells you it's the next hot thing right it's that what's what is calling you from the inside that really matters yeah and i on that that point one of the things that i loved about john robinson's story is that idea of working wanting to open a bike store believing that he wanted to open a bike store and so what do you do you got to go work in a bike store and so what is it, uh, and he did that while still having his full-time job, right? He didn't just chuck it all. He figured that out that like, maybe I should, maybe I should test the waters here. Is this really what I want to do? And it, it was, it, it validated that discovery. Like, yeah, I've had this sort of itch. Let me scratch it. And he did that by working in a bike shop um, that wasn't his. And sometimes that's, that's going to either validate our, our the the trajectory of our joy or it's going to say no maybe this was just something that it's fun but it's it's not it's not what i thought it was going to be and i think that that's a really important um part of the discovery process does this have legs is this really what i want to do did i sign up for all of the other stuff that comes along the way and and, and that's how you kind of figure some of that stuff out is it, it is trial and error to some degree To hear more podcasts or read posts that are meant to nudge the dreamer and all of us to become the doer we were meant to be, visit us at joyventure.net. If you discovered your joy but feel stuck on how best to develop it, you've come to the right place as that's what Jeremy and I do for our day jobs. Drop us a line through our website and let's talk. We'd love to help. Until next time, remember, never stop discovering. Thanks for listening.